With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to Monday's edition of the Terra Scottish Football Podcast. I am Duncan Mackay, I'm your host for this evening, and I'm joined by my very good friend, and it's just one person tonight, it's Tony Anderson. Hello Duncan, you alright? I'm smashing, can't complain, feels like summer is on its way, maybe a little, I've sort been, of. Yeah, I've been naughty, I've done a few, I, I met a friend down Commercial Quay, in Leith and had like a few beers and all not in theory we're not absolutely meant to we're not meant to actually drink outside at the moment but but I did all right I did stuck uh, it to the man stuck I did it to the man I did and I had a lovely time at the benches around the back the commercial key in Leith um where the, all the obviously all the restaurants are closed and stuff so it was quite nice to be able to get out and then go for a wee wander about so um these things make all the difference I'm sure to, to everyone because that was a grim grim winter <laughs> <laughs> it absolutely, absolutely was. But I think the biggest achievement I think we can talk about this week is we've completed three rounds of fixtures. All 33 games were played in the Scottish Premiership. Uh, I think at certain points, we've probably doubted that that was going to happen. So I think we should probably at some point, and this is a good time to do it, kind of pause and reflect on the fact that it did actually happen. It's still achievement. I know there's a lot of um, Scottish football bashers out there, but I think you know that it got done in the end. Yeah, no, I think that's such a fair point. I never even thought about it that way, Duncan, because we take, I think we take a lot for granted. Uh, and we've had sort of issues. I mean, everyone's been, we had little panics when certain people went on, went on. We're, 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 we're naughty boys. We're naughty boys uh, up north. And then we had people going apparently to get their hole in, in Spain in a, in a hotel and then coming back and not telling anyone. 
Uh, we got yellow cards from from the bloody government. So we got, <laughs> we got an early yellow card that wasn't backed up with any other action. Yeah, such as a very Scottish uh, refereeing performance. I thought. And then from uh, the government, we had um, sort of fully grown men going to kids' parties to play Monopoly when they shouldn't be for <laughs> for Rangers. So I mean, there's there's been all sorts of things that people have done wrong, but we've managed to get there. We've got all the fixtures done. And it looks like we're even going to cram in the Scottish Cup. So maybe, maybe for once we can just say the SPFL and the clubs have maybe done just about an, enough. An all right job. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, we we do in this country. I don't know what it's like in every country. I assume it's not as different as we would all think. I think there is a lot of bashing of football associations. I would guess uh, worldwide, and as there should be. I mean, anything that's a, I'm a, I'm a big believer in governments and that being being held to account and being under much heavier scrutiny than, than anyone else, but um we, we got it done under trying circumstances and we've made the we've made the bloody split. Um and yeah, yeah. so well done. And I, I was gonna say on, on the subject of getting things done, that's exactly what St. Johnson did Seamless. on Saturday. They are top six this season. They, they snuck in uh a fabulous last few minutes uh, of action between uh, the two games we'll talk about first. Uh Tony, what 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 are your thoughts about uh, St John's under Calm Davidson's first season in charge making top six? It's 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 really brilliant. I mean, we shouldn't go too far. I mean, because St Johnston, I think we have to accept that this is maybe their place within the Scottish football ladder. I mean, we don't like to do it. I think I, I read a little bit of an article today that was is, is going straight to that. I mean, over the last decade, this is where St Johnston are are, are meant to be and where they and where they are and um, whether it's dependent on whether you look at that is that a failure of Hibs, Hearts, Dundee United, um, and, and, and clubs like that. I mean, Aberdeen are always been in there, but is it, is it a failure of those clubs that that the fact that St. Johnson are always there? But they've done great. And where the where I like to talk about Cam Davison, how well he's done is how they, they he really had struggles this season uh, at the start. It didn't start well. He made big shape changes. He'd go into that three four three. He had, I mean, I've spoken about this previously about uh, the Callum Hendry. He was sort of the main man at the start. Everyone assumed he was going to be the main striker. He had a great end to the season last season. And they went for it and they went, they tried to play his strengths. There were so many crosses going to the box at the start of the season. <laughs> I've not got the stats, but that was basically St. Johnston. All they'd done was cross the ball in and, and, and it wasn't working. And they've managed to, with some smart recruitment, some some of the most clever changes. I mean, we're really going to right wing back after them losing McNamara. I mean, that's probably in terms of non recruitment change of the season. Yeah, <laughs> switch of the season. And I mean, Rooney has been talked about as a Scott international now. I mean, we we, we all talk at length. So I'm not going to do it again about about Sean Rooney. Um, the the sort of tune that he's managed to get out of Chris Kane has uh, it, been so different than what anyone else has. I mean, Chris Kane was just a was, was a nobody, let's be honest. Uh, and I know he's, the goals haven't come from this season, but he's become a hugely important cog in the team. They've they've done this sort of incredible recruitment with Melamed that was so out of, just the most unexpected sort of signing from most teams with, that the recruitment went that far. You've got to assume this is an agent that's, that's hooked this up. I don't imagine that they're watching the Israeli league or things like this. I don't. I don't. I don't think that uh, that St. John's quite have the extensive scouting network that, that some other clubs have. Yeah. No. So, I mean, they've picked that up, uh, and then and then you've got your your stalwarts like Liam Craig's had a, had a really superb season. Stevie May, who's someone I want to talk about here. Uh, 
he's sort of like the complete opposite of what he was. He's now turned into quite a subtle player. <laughs> like, I mean, I've been watching him recently. He's like one touch layoffs are really good. His movement around the box is clever. He doesn't hold on to the ball too well. We saw in this one when so it created a free kick towards the end when Ali McCann got um, sort of fouled in behind and he, he let the ball roll through him. Stevie May, before he was like as subtle as a brick when he was at his <laughs> best, he was like a rock and roll footballer. He was, he was everywhere uh, and he, he had so much energy and he was in everyone's faces and he was scoring goals. That's gone, and I think everyone's obviously accepted that. But Stevie May is another one. They, they've managed to get him playing to something that they, is serviceable. Um, he's, he's, I think he still scored double-figure goals in all competitions this season. Uh, and so there's so much about what Cam Davidson's done, uh, sticking to his guns when, they're, when they were... Because they were always performing well, St. Johnston, even when they were when they were going on these 10 games where winning and that people were doubting it. They were always performing well, so he stuck with it and he's managed to shift things around, get a tune out of certain players. Um, and you start to look at Calm Davidson with doing so much in a season of so from so many different angles that I just described. Uh, that you're just absolutely like really, really good young manager, really. Yeah, I think uh, to be slightly flippant, that you know, is, is the fact that he managed to get something like Glenn Middleton, you know, mm. that is, is a prime example of how he works. I mean, I think. I know St. Johnson fans don't necessarily appreciate this, but you know they are a club that is greater than some of its parts. Like that's like that's when they all come together, they are just a much better team than you. Know, really, you could look at that. You know that midfield. You know you know that four Rooney, McCann, uh, Booth, and Craig. Like you wouldn't really fancy that, but it works because of what's in front of them and what's behind them, and it, you know that that all meshes together. Uh, and I think, yeah, Middleton's a, a, a prime example of that of a player who is getting a reputation, I suppose, a little bit as being quite surly or, you know, um, that kind of um, over over promises and under delivers. Uh, and yet he is the reason his goal um, is the reason why St. Johnston are going to be playing top six football uh, thanks to a late finish. Yeah, and he, and he put him in a, it's not just, He's been playing him recently. That was his fifth appearance. And he has had an impact in some games. You've seen that he's opening his legs more. I remember him. This is what comes back to the, going back to Hibs, because that's obviously where we watched him sort of quite closely. It, not too much, not, sadly. Like he, yeah. he was a non-existent player as, as a winger. Especially you're saying a winger for Rangers who'd scored in Europe. Uh, and, and they'd had a little flutter with the Rangers first team. You're thinking they were excited about him. Uh, and he was a Scotland under 21 player. And we got him in, you're thinking, all right, this is a, Good move. He's, he's, his development slowed down and maybe we can get something out of him. And then, uh, unfortunately, he was under Heckenbottom and, and you feel like he maybe he was played in what I think happened to a lot of players under Heckenbottom. He seemed to play in a box that he wasn't allowed to come out of. And I always found that with, with Hibs under Heckenbottom, it was so rigid. There was absolutely no fluidity in the, in the way Hibs played. And maybe he was a victim of that looking back, but he never even looked like he opened. I never, I never used to think he was quick. Which was the main <laughs> thing that was brought. I was like, this guy's not even quite. He's like a winger that's not fast. He's not really direct. He likes to turn back and pass the ball. Um, I was really seeing like just a player with zero attributes. But in the appearances he's made for St. Johnston recently, especially in this game, um, it's the pace and he was driving at people. He was getting him behind. And this, uh, the move that was made here was quite brave, really, um, for Davidson. He had him up front. He, he changed from a his, his usual 3 4 3 or a 3 4 1 2, whatever and you want to call it. And he went three five two. Yeah, and, it almost, and, 
and it almost didn't work out like, in terms of that he had a, a guilt edge chance uh, to score uh, late, late on, um, but then he, d- he did eventually get the goal set up by another sub in, in Stevie May. Um, I suppose at this point we, we come on to Ross County, you cannot uh, defend like that. <laughs> you cannot have two defenders on a goal scorer uh, and and you know within the six yard box and expect uh, and, and both get turned like that and expect to not be in trouble. Yeah, I mean, they, obviously they normally go with a with a back three, and by this point in the game, they they'd moved to their back four. Um, I was, I'm not surprised to see Yakoviti come back into the team. I, I was saying re- recently that I thought he'd be much more of a, a John Hughes centre half. He's uh, and, and Hughes has made him captain as well. Yeah, so I, I think so. I'm not because he wasn't playing for a few weeks. And I was shocked because Yakoviti does like to, like he, he certainly thinks he's a player, uh, and and I've seen him do it, and and, 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 he, and he likes to switch the play. He likes a long raking pass, and he, and he can do it. In fairness to him, he can do it. He done it. Under Kettlewell in the back three, he was the guy who was normally charged with bringing the ball out. And I thought that's John Hughes through and through what he would like. He also likes to, Yakoviti, he commits himself. He's a, he's like your top defenders in the world. The reason that they play for the best teams is because they're, they're willing to take that risk. They stretch out and they look to take the ball. So David Louise, for example, he always wants to t- pinch the ball. He doesn't want to sit off. Uh, and just accept, and that helps your team play on the front foot in the press, and you can move forward to the ball because you win the ball. Uh, but unfortunately, Yakovic here, he wants to he wants to impede and impress. At that point, when you're in the edge of the six yard box, you've got very little to gain there, uh, and and loads to lose by sort of overly committing yourself. If you just hold him, if you hold him, uh, yeah, if you just hold position, he's going nowhere. Yeah, yeah, and he has to play it back, and you can maybe crowd out the edge of the box. So it was such a high risk maneuver from from Yakoviti to do that, and 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 as I said, it's not completely surprising. That's Yakoviti's game, and 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 that's the, the mistake that someone like that's able to make. But I'm still not convinced. But like they've had victories, Ross County, they've had better performances, but I've not seen how he's made them incrementally better. I mean, apart from maybe the Hibs game, where I was really quite impressed when they won Easter Road. I can't think of the Celtic game. I spoke on here. I thought they'd done the basics well, but no more than that. And, and they got the goal against the set piece, the obligatory goal that you get. I don't know if you agree, Duncan. Yeah, no, I, 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 I found it oddly familiar listening to John Hughes's uh, post-match interview on Saturday where he was talking about how well the players trained during the week and stuff like that, and then they can't do it on the pitch. You know, which is very much a... Uh, theme of his that when he's working with the players and he's individually getting involved, they're brilliant. But as mm. soon as that he can't be involved, then they they struggle. Uh, and I, yeah, again, you're right. I mean, I think that I think that's the issue is you know they they, they chose to to bend Kettlewell, and it's you know, to what end really? Because there's not there hasn't. I, I'm not entirely convinced that they would they would have um, kicked on any further with that. You know that you know that what that what. Would they be in any different position had they kept Kettlewell on? And I think the jury is very much out on that. Yeah, and it's because he's he's won. The thing that's worked for Hughes well is that he's won big games. Like he's a profile, profile manager, isn't he? Like yeah. let's be honest. And he's won profile high profile matches. He wins at Easter Road. He beats Celtic. But when it's come to the games again, and obviously they got that win against Hamilton, which was a huge win. But I watched that game, and it took. Uh, changes. I mean, they brought White on for his debut with uh, Billy Mackay. They both came on and that sort of changed the game, swung it in their favour because 
frankly, with Ross County, they should be in the position they're in because they've got a big squad full of names. It's not just it's not just a heavy squad. I know all these players. They've all played at a decent level. They should be producing more um, than, than what they have. And in that game, sort of Hamilton didn't have the ability to make those types of changes. And it was turned around. White came on, sort of set up Mackay, and, and then he got a goal. Um, and, and that was... And that, so they're sort of like the massive relegation battle winning at Easter Road, beating Celtic. They're, they're profile matches, but I think when you chip a little deeper, um, I don't know how much that he brought Peyton back in, which I'm a fan of. I've been surprised that Peyton hasn't been sort of flavour of the month under Hughes and he done it here. And, and to be fair, Hughes, I've been, I've said on a few shows that I was surprised. As much as Peyton is a player that frustrates me, uh, I think he's a talented player. And I think in this team, there, there's always room for him, if for nothing else, due to set pieces. Uh, but, he brought him in here and, and, and nothing was done. And Ross County looked utterly, they, they just didn't look like they took part in the game whatsoever in, a, in a, an attacking sense. Yeah, I th- and I think that, that'll be slightly frustrating to St. Johnson that it was only 1-0 and it was kind of the late, late show. Uh, I suppose the, the connection is is that they managed to get the job done and it was, an, it was a late goal at uh, whatever Hamilton Stadium has been called these days uh, that, was, that, that ended St. Mirren uh, who miss now? Who who now miss out on the top six uh, on goal difference on goals scored basically uh, goal difference um, where they lost uh, you know, eight ninth minute Kyle Monroe uh, header cost them top six. Uh, what what were your thoughts on on that game? But in terms of just that um, moment in general, I'd be losing my mind if I was a St Mirren fan at, at that. I mean, Goodwin's clearly going for the ref. I mean, he gets booked after it and, and he obviously goes straight over to the refs. He looks like he's, he's being slightly respectful. He's fist bumping when he's talking to them, uh, but he's obviously not happy with the free kick that's given away. But he's having a word. <laughs> uh, he's having a word. And, and I accept that the, the free kick did look um, a bit dodgy. I think it's Shognessy, um who, who goes over the top of Moyo, and I don't think it's a free kick at all. But what I will say is it gets they get given every week in some shape or form when the the, the striker does something slightly smarter. Aye, you and, might not you might not like it. You might not like it, but it's not unheard of for them to happen. Yeah, <laughs> like that type of free kick where the referee sort of takes it that the defender's got his hands on him. And it's, I don't think it was a free kick at all. I, I'd be pissed off about it, but that I, I, I wouldn't I, I can't have that as a major reason why they haven't made the top six there, which Goodwin was clearly pointing out because the defending for the free kick is unbelievably bad. It's utterly, they allow, yeah. I mean, they've done a decent analysis of it on sports scene where, where Chris Limo and McFadden, they allow an overload on, the, on, on a side where they actually end up going four against five and they've got three men in a wall from a wide free kick. He's not going to shoot. There's no need for three men in a wall in that scenario. Uh, and St. Mirren are normally good at these parts of things. Even at that range, I don't, I don't even think you need a wall. I like really it's be but... a cross. Uh, and then <laughs> and then Kyle Monroe's able to get in round the back. It's a young player for Hamilton, like a regen, who's who's able to come in and, and uh, nod them out, and that's it. And then St. Mirren are they in the are in the in the the top six anymore. I just I would be so like I'd be absolutely violent if I was a uh, good win and, and and St. Mirren fans and the players that because they've absolutely gifted that game away. They've gifted that whole thing away. Yeah, I think I think it's our uh, a mentality thing that St. Mirren are going to need to adapt. You know that that you know, that's you know they obviously they beat Rangers in the, in the League Cup um, 
which was good. But then they didn't really show up in the League Cup semi-final. You know, it, it, there's no point in beating Rangers. There's no point in knocking Rangers out of the cup if then you go and put a fairly lacklustre performance in the in the semi-final up. You know, like it, it's it's kind of for naught. Like you know, the people, especially your fans, don't get a day out of it in this season. Um, but <laughs> that is just, it's just madness. Is that you were in the driving seat for the whole game? Like all you had to do was win, uh, and it was the fate was in your own hands. And they they really bottled it. I think that there's there's no reason that that, that you can give other than that. I mean, I think that. That Aki's improved greatly when they when they changed their shape and brought on Moyo. Um, mm-hmm. He was kind of at the heart of everything that that Aki's did in the second half. But again, it's Aki's. Like you should like if you're not expecting some sort of fight back, and you don't, he didn't. I mean, Simon didn't really look like they were putting on the pressure in the second half to to get a second. You know, a second goal kills it. They, well, they, Aki's, they actually, aren't, Aki's aren't coming back after a sec, uh, uh, when they're 2-0 done. Aki's love to be in a 1-0 game because it gives them a chance. But 2-0 is very different for them. And Simran can't get that. This is, I mean, the fact that they're not in the top six due to goals scored, the fact that they've lost a last-minute goal here where it's sort of like the defence is clearly shattered. You know what I mean? They're all over the shop. They're not doing... You're not telling me that's what they've practised on on the training pitch is to allow for an overload at the back and go, not everyone picking up man. And, and you're not even doing zones either. You know, it's not zonal marking. They're all in a cluster together. You're, that's not what they practice. So that's clearly panic at that stage of the game. Uh, when they're not, they're not right. They're, the goalie's making probably the wrong decision with the ball. That's all blind panic. They've not scored a goal. That epitomizes it because they've not been able to score enough goals. They're a, they're a difficult team to play, but they have the, they'll, they'll be disappointed with the fact they don't have Brophy. Um, for like because I think they've you they can see how they've changed the shape to allow for two up front, which they didn't have early in the season. I think that was something they've obviously thought about because we questioned the Brophy signing that didn't really make too much sense based on the shape that they have and, and what they had in the brought in the past. But looking at it now, I can see they obviously were gearing up towards making this shape change as a as a team, um, and it's not worked out. I mean, yeah, thirty goals in thirty-three games is just you know isn't good enough if you want to play top six football. I mean, okay, St. Johnson have St. Johnson have just got there with thirty-two goals, but I mean that they've also managed to pick up a trophy. So I think that you can kind of give them excuses, <laughs> and they are also you know like probably an element of team transition. And again, that's the thing: if you win, people don't you can attribute all sorts of things to, mm-hmm. and the same with you losing that it's the fine margins. But I think. Gooden was right in his interview afterwards. You know that the the fact that they've talked so pretty much all season about wanting to be top six and stuff like that, like people, you might get a bit of stick from. Um, I think this again. If I was saying, man, I think you're going in the right direction, but you, you don't have to put you don't have to put targets on your back. Like, you know mm. what I mean? Like no one's, I'd, like this this whole thing about St. Mirren being a top six team is entirely an invention of St. Mirren. Like yeah. no one, like, like the best one in the world, aside from Martin, like no, you know, no one, no one really minds what St. Mirren get up to. Like they're not that arsed. <laughs> and so like this idea that like, oh, you know, we're like, I can see Dundee United or like whatever and being like, well, that's a bit disappointing. But St. Mirren, that this is an entirely self-inflicted pain and pressure they've put on themselves. They've, like having everyone laughing at them is, is all completely of their own their own accord. I mean And now they have yeah. to take their medicine, a medicine that they would never have had to take. Everyone would have been raving about the season 
uh, that they just missed yeah. out rather than like having these sort of Aye, like they've been like things. well this is you know like last year they were struggling a bit and you know, it was Goodwin's that Goodwin came in late and stuff like that. you see they're building pro like you know look at us we managed to get to League Cup semi final we knocked out Rangers on the way we've played some exciting football we were we're at the cusp of the top six yo we this is this is progress we are building on oh it's going isn't it going to be so much better when fans are back and you can you know, mm. cheer on the, the cheer on the buddies to to get us there and instead. It's, it feels like a disappointment, despite the fact it's not. Yeah, I mean, no, no, yeah, absolutely. And I think it's, it's going to be interesting. I think if Goodwin should use it as an opportunity to to do like what has happened to a number of teams in the past is right. Okay, we, we just we just missed out. If he ch- not chucks it, but is in if you go, it is it, a great opportunity to go on a five game winning streak. Like mm-hmm. I think Saint Mer- for Saint Mirren. That's yep. what they should see it as. It's just be like, can we go? Can if I that was a, if, if I was Mickey Mellon as well, that's what I'd be doing. Dundee United, be like, here's my challenge to you: is can we go unbeaten? Can we win all these five games? Can we set ourselves up for coming back in some after you know, after a few weeks off when no one's gone on holidays? They might go into Rossi or uh, or um, I don't know. Uh, North Berwick for the holidays, uh, and then they come back and uh, and you're set up promisingly, but. Uh, yeah, it's just a, it's just a wild one that that, that St. Martin have managed to do this to themselves. Yeah, they, yeah, because the recruitment's been really interesting this season. Like um, with the Doyle Hayes, McGrath, uh, obviously Brophy being sort of like a, a blue chip signing. If you like, even, I know there's debates about whether that's true or not, but I mean, it was perceived. They paid. Of. They paid aye, the, the, right. the, the, there was money involved. Yeah, and then obviously Connolly being an interesting player. The birth of Erehon. Like these are all interesting things. And going back, to, I mean, you you talk about sort of Hamilton sort of changing their shape and St Mirren sort of moving out. You can actually see it because Hamilton changed to a back four at half time, and, and to be fair to Brian Rice, something he's not been so good at this season is, is proactive. And I think that's something that's changed dramatically um, since he got sort of Bruce Anderson in and in sort of the discovery of a dolphin in midfield. He tried. He's trying things a bit different now. Uh, the style of their play is different. Like this game, for example, I was shocked to see that Cammy Smith and Bruce Anderson up front together, uh, which is completely different. Normally, I mean, there's periods of the season where it was Moyo and Okunpo, which is like the most sort of like ham-fisted strike force going. You know exactly what they're what they're <laughs> going to be doing. It's you're 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 trying to smash smash through with a hammer there. Uh, and then Bruce Anderson's came in. I mean, I've spoke loads about it. I've been really impressed. I'm impressed with what he brought. He's brought a lot more subtlety to his game. He's brought more avenues to their to their style. Uh, and this one, they actually went for Smith. And it didn't really work, uh, but he was quick to change it, bring in Moyle. But St Mirren, Matt, it shows, like you're saying, a bit of ambition to go and finish the game. They they go to a back four. It's only 10 minutes. After that, they, they go to a 4-2-3-1. They bring Erehorn and Cornley on. Uh, and, and they go away a beaker up front by himself. In the first half, when St. Mirren were on top, they were it was borderline like a 3-4-3. Three, three, uh, from what I've been checking, what I watched, they had um, McGrath was playing right up with Erwin, like right on top of him, and a beaker was up there. Um, and so they had, and Dermis was pushed up high on the left, and Fraser was moving it more into a back three with and Doyle Hayes sitting. So it was like really quite attacking. But then, like I was saying, they've... they've like I said, but it was like that really conservative move to match up with Hamilton and not continue to do what what you were doing, uh, and and they eventually sort of pay the price for it. And when they don't need, to, like McGrath's got another penalty though. I mean, that's him. That living goals this season. I know like six or seven of them are penalties, but he looks so calm 
on on the spot. Did you think it was a penalty, Duncan? I was interested to get your feelings on that. Uh, I think it probably was. I I mean, it was needless. I think that uh, Dermis wasn't getting his shot away on target and stuff like that. But you could, it was it was silly rather than. Uh, malicious, the, if you know see, what I mean. Like, the penalties you want to see given because there are a lot of these ones they get away with once the shot's gone or something like that, or it's run out of control. And they, ah, the defender, oh, well, he got a shot away, so uh, uh, the defender. So, I think these are the ones that you kind of I'd prefer to see them getting given because it means defenders have to think more. You can't just go rash right at the point of, of the shot head, which also can mean if they're scared to do that and they've got no right to get to the ball means that the striker might get more of time to actually hit the shot, which might bring more goals because it is one of those that they just seem to, at that last second, they're allowed to do as wild a, a, a wild a dive in as they want and irrelevant as long as the as long as they don't make, as long as the ball goes away, then it's absolutely fine. So I was pleased to see it. Um, and as I said, McGrath's got into the double figures for goals, which again, it's another problem. You've got, you brought a midfielder in who's hit double figure goals and you're still having goal scoring problems. It's like, there's, uh, there must be like really, really frustrating. But fair play Hamilton again, they're just chipping away, sticking in there. And um, if they can get Ockenpo back, obviously Callan's there, Anderson's there, with Rice being more willing to make changes and be on the front foot, um, there's still a chance for them and I'd still be worried if I was some of the other teams around them, because I don't think Hamilton are, are dead and buried by any stretch of the imagination. No, you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, Hamilton are currently sitting uh, bottom with 27 points, but I think if you'd offered them going into the split that uh, their next two opponent, their next two uh, people in 10th and 11th would just be a point and two points away from them, they'd have bitten your hand off for that. Um, and uh, yeah, I think it'll be it'll be pretty interesting. And I suppose it got mo- even more interesting after Comanics four one assault of Motherwell basically on on Saturday. Um, un- unbelievable that, that that Tommy Wright's first win, um, which I think we was kind of overdue. Um, I think that. Uh, come on, need to he needs to next sort out uh, come on uh, kind of fairly wretched away wretched away form uh, with only three wins so far but you know a four one win helps also with the goal difference I mean they are they've got they I'm just looking at this now they've got a goal difference of minus uh, fourteen Ross County above them minus thirty three wow. that could be pretty vital coming in with the last five games yeah well absolutely yeah and, and I think Kamarnik this was especially without obviously listening to Craig Anderson when he spoke about it, that this is a bit due, like the performances under right have improved a lot. And you see the difference with having a striker up there who wants to shoot. Uh, like Lafferty, like you're, he, didn't need to, he doesn't need to do a huge amount. Uh, I think he was the right type of striker. He's quite an arrogant striker. And he, he's, 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 quite, he's got like a one-track mind a lot of the time, Lafferty. And I don't mean this in a bad way at all. And I think Kilmarnock, that's exactly what they needed because they were they, Kabamba's form had fallen off a cliff. Brophy's obviously away. And if it wasn't Chris Burke or getting these Kabamba headers or something coming in, there looked like there was absolutely like, nobody in the midfield that you fancied. Kilty and Ian McKenzie, they've had decent periods, but then you look at the goals, you still don't fancy them for a goal. So you're like, no. oh, there's nothing. But bring Lafferty in, suddenly guy cocksure of himself wants the ball hit shots he's got they've got the, the first two goals are getting this they're, they're shit goals but because Lafferty's willing to take the take the shot hit the target and then obviously Kelly spills one in and then the other one he gets they get lucky but it's because he's so direct and willing to make it happen I think yeah I think that's there is a uh 
how did how did say this about being rude about him? But I'll probably end up being rude about him. But you, know, Kyle Laff, he probably doesn't care if Kilmarnock get relegated. If that makes sense, like you know that he he plays for himself a lot of the time. Like I think that's like and that's not necessarily a a bad thing. And he and he loves scoring. Mm-hmm. That's that's exactly what Kilmarnock were looking for. Is they they don't need someone who is self conscious. They didn't. They don't need. I think we've probably got enough of that in throughout their team. <laughs> they need a player who is. Uh, a bit selfish, gallus, I suppose, is, is, is another element. If you're being kinder, I suppose, to him, like they, they needed someone who really didn't look around in situ- around the situation and think, oh, I'm, I'm going to a bottom six team. He's like, he sees it as an opportunity. Kyle Laffey probably thinks it's an opportunity for him to get back playing for Rangers or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that, like in terms of he's, he's not. We've seen from his antics, maybe not the most well adjusted guy going. And, and again, you know, that's the thing. Like, I the difference you wouldn't a strike an unconfident striker wouldn't have taken a fairly bad shot probably uh, against Kelly and yet they get a bit of luck because that's because you get because obviously you miss hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Yeah, I mean you don't but, picture Kibamba yeah. swiveling from the edge of the box and hitting a shot like that on target. Like, you just don't picture yeah. him doing it. Um, and, because, and, and the thing is, it's, it's classic Lafferty because you know actually it's not um, the idea was. We've seen him do that. We've seen how many times we've seen him like shoot from outside the box and connect really well. Uh, and actually, you know, had it, it wasn't a terrible idea. Um, and it, it, it was the execution was just slightly off, but it still went in because Kelly had a nightmare. Ah, it's like hopeless, hopeless for that. I mean, and Kilmarnock, it was interesting, like the way they, they, they lined up was quite different. They were playing their their usual four at the back, but like the way that it ended up, they, they ended up like. Mackenzie was the furthest forward player most of the game, and Burke was further forward than Lafferty. And Lafferty was just what like he was dropping deeper and wanting the ball. And finally, there was a link between the forwards and the midfield because I say mid- Which we've been talking about all season. Eh? Yeah, it's just so frustrating watching Kilmarnock because they've got such they've got loads of good players, but they were just missing specific cogs um, and like the, to to make it work. I mean, you can have your powers and your dickers and that, and they're and they're great. Even though I mean they've had ups and downs themselves. Malumbu's, uh, like all these guys are good, but they didn't have anyone that was going to link it forward um, to get in. So now suddenly Lafferty can drop deep, and then they're all, they're well on top, and they give them they've given them a hind end. I mean, we should mention Pinnock. I think he's, what a finish! Like <laughs> like confidence like, for you right yeah. there. Uh, well, you can afford to do that three one. You might you might not be thinking you can do it when it's one nil or you know one all or whatever. And he got and he was like his cross that created Burke's goal as well when he gets to the byline. It's a nice cross. I mean, Motherwell will be devastated with that. I mean, they've got about seven guys in the box. One goes to attack the ball and there's only, Kamarnik have only got three. In that position, definitely pick up the men. And then if you've got four other guys around, you'll probably pick up the second ball as well. But it's just it's complete ball watching. And Motherwell, this season, defensively, I've been like the ups and downs again. There's been quite a lot of teams like this. Uh, bad, but, but and then that goal, it reminded me like uh, McKenzie's goal against Dundee United earlier in the season when he chipped the goalie, uh, when, it, when they were 3 all up against Dundee United. Suddenly people coughed in the zoo and then they, they start trying things and Pinnock's like, ah, he bullies. He, he bullies them, he elbows them out the way uh, and then he's dinking it over his head and then he's like really arrogant sort of side foot under the, under the goalie. It's absolutely class, but... Um, going on to Motherwell, I mean, Duncan, this is absolutely classic Motherwell this season. It's uh, I, w- I just, I just don't know what to say about Motherwell anymore. Like you know, like it's, I can't even work out if it's a, 
if it's a bad team performing as it, as it should be, or is it a good team that's really underperforming? And you know, because I, I, yeah, I just I just don't. I'm just kind of at a bit of a loss to be honest. I, I get I get really frustrated because I've said a few times. I think in what and Cole. Um, and then whoever they are, they, they obviously play with the, with the three up there mainly, um, mm-hmm. and that obviously it's been Roberts. Roberts on Saturday, yeah, yeah, and he's and he's and he's actually looked like a decent sign, and he's he's certainly had an impact. I mean, he was he was obviously good in the in the Hibs game, and he and he's had other performances there, and, and he's a hard working wide player. But it's like I always think with Watt and Watt and Cole, uh, like they look like as dangerous a front two as anyone has in the league, and uh, everyone, uh, like because they, they they've got their balance so well. They are the two of the more rounded strikers in the league. There's not many that can do it. I mean, what lacks goals, um, but everything else is, is absolutely great. And I've said numerous times, the Coles a player that I rate as highly as anyone in the league is, in terms of his ability to drop deep and play, play with his back to goal, have pace to go over the top, strong finishing. I mean, he's got a lot, he's got a lot more attributes than most strikers in the league. So they've got all that going for them. And you've got Adam Campbell in midfield, obviously a good player. Um, but defensively, I mean, Gallagher's obviously just—I don't know. Then I'm not even going to get into the ins and outs of. Well, he's, he's argue, arguing with fans on Facebook, which seems like a really good use of time. Yeah, but that shows that obviously his head's gone in terms of. But we thought we were speculating maybe a contract issue. A bit of a say no deal. I don't know if that's strictly true because he's on the bench now. But something's gone on that he's because he's in, his form's never been that great. For he's he's been a poor signing for. For Motherwell, the last season definitely, yeah. Yeah. it's ended up being quite a poor signing, um, and it's just Motherwell. You like you think right there look like like they're like a hugely good team sometimes, but they're like they're they're so expressive. They've got like hurt teams. They absolutely hump tips. They absolutely dominated tips. It couldn't be much worse. Um, and, and then they had another good game last week. They had a couple of wins, and then they come into this, and then they get humped four one off Kilmarnock, and it's just like. Um, but yeah, going back, Tommy Wright, he deserves credit because there was changes. They were they were their usual formation, but when you look at it, they, 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 they were, it was much more fluid. It looked more like a 3 4 3 really because they were on the ball so often and they were willing to express themselves. So um, you start to think they, 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 they look like they've got too good a team now when you add Lafferty into that mix. And I, that yeah, I, I, suspect, I suspect that the. <laughs> you know, come on! Like I think you could potentially finish above Motherwell uh, if if they get on a roll. Um, but yeah, again, the last five is the the split is always uh, I'm not going to say a lottery because that's a total ridiculous thing to say. But it, it does have its own. The mini league does have its own uh, strange way of working. And hopefully, uh, is there get... more to say on this game? Yeah, maybe. Obviously, Medley was poor for the goal. Um, for Kilmarnock and he made a and he made a mistake last week. He gave the ball away. Well, sort of the last home game against Dundee United, and um, obviously he, he just that's that's one that we hate. I mean, I played centre half as as a boy a bit, and it is it's horrible when those long raking balls get humped up, and you're trying to time either a header or a side foot to clear it. But as that's what you learn, and that is the basics. And he's totally lost it. But he looks like he's. He's got a lot of going for him as a defender, and maybe just have to accept a young defender makes mistakes. I think that I think there's an element of that, and I think is I don't think we should ever um, dismiss how difficult it can be for centre halves if they don't have full trust in the keeper behind them. And I think that Doyle is definitely uh, a, <laughs> a negative rather than a positive for Kelly this season. Yeah, yeah, and I, but that go, yeah, definitely, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> and then. Uh, 
that goal. Um, so they end up getting Campbell gets it over the header, and the keeper saves it. It's a decent save for for Doyle there, and he nearly hurts himself in the post. And I actually thought the Maguire finish was actually a lot better than maybe you would think. It looks like quite a controlled, clever finish. Um, I think some people would maybe think that he mishits it, but I don't know. And then I think Cole does way to not touch it and allow it to run through his body. But yeah, I'm going to keep an eye on Medley because I think he looks like, as I said, he's got Ryan Portis. He's got a bit of the Ryan Portis about him where you can see that he, you can see why he's at a bigger club. You can see why he's got loads of attributes, but being a young centre half, there's going to be mistakes in there, and uh, that can be fun to watch as well. Yeah, well, I suppose that that's a, that is a perfect segue there, Tony, uh, to go to the next game at the, the Tony Macaroni Arena, where Hibbs and Livy uh, fought out a, a one-all draw, which seemed, on reflection, probably a, a fair result. But you know, Livy get Livy take the lead through uh, Sibold after, frankly, a. A, a, a Porteous bomb scare, uh, you know, that just uh, gives a free goal, basically, to Livy. Uh, Porteous, I, I think McGinn has to take um, his part in this. I To have three centre-halves and for, for a long ball to bounce and then nobody know who to go for it and you end up heading it into there, it's just like it's everything that you feel that you're definitely not going to happen when you have a back three. And it was reminiscent of the time Livingston played, played Hibs uh, Easter Road and I think there's maybe something if, if you're a team watching this um, that style that really directs the, obviously I don't think I'm, this isn't a criticism living so they, they go direct and then they play from they win the ball and then they play some really nice stuff in around the box there's, all, there's two sides to that Livingston style there's subtlety and technique at the top and then a bit of hammer thrown again to that area but I think if you see that with uh, Hibs they, they, they don't like it because Livingston have done that that's been the third goal they've scored against Hibs, where um, so huge the errors that have come of it. But Livingston did play like quite well in the first half. I'll say it like someone that uh, I was highly critical of when he first came in uh, with J. Emmanuel Thomas, because it just I found them quite difficult to watch. And and then I watched him in a Rangers game at Ibrox where I thought it was one of the worst performances I'd seen by a player. He looked so uninterested. I mean, Halander had the easiest game. I was like, you're huge. At least just not, not like rough up a bit when these long balls are coming in. But he was like standing off him, uninvolved. But he's clearly getting fitter. He's clearly getting happier. Um, and he's now starting to find his feet in the game because he, he obviously created a really good chance for Sybil. It was a really nice move where he turned and played Sybil in for the goal. Uh, and obviously he's been used at right wing back and stuff this season. And he's been played on the right-hand side of their attack. Um, and, and then obviously playing centre-forward, he scored one of the goals of the season last week with a sort of Thierry Henry flick-up in volley. So I thought I would say that um, he's clearly obviously got something due to the level he was playing at before all his injuries, but he's finally starting to look like he's maybe just fit enough to be a like serviceable striker here. And I think that's Livingston are not, uh, they obviously see something because they're not shy about bidding people that don't work out for them. You know, the, the, so the, there's clearly something that Martindale sees in Jet that he's will, willing to to work with or persevere with, you know, which frankly, they've, they've been a lot. <laughs> there's been players, Anthony Stokes, for example, you know, was jettisoned, you know, within weeks. So I, I think that's kind of promising. And I think that, that, there's an issue, I think, sometimes with players like uh, Emmanuel Thomas and stuff who show so much promise early on in their career and then just can't find their groove again. And so it becomes kind of uh, 
what diminishing returns, I suppose. And you, know, if you don't make an instant impact, it becomes you know becomes harder and harder to get clubs, or you go further and further down, and clubs are w- far less willing to spend time with working on you or what have you. Like, so I think uh, I'm 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 quite excited to see if he he sticks on, if he's going to be here next season as well, because I think there's there's a lot to be said for that. Uh, and and I think that it'd be quite exciting because again, Livingston, you just never know exactly how Martindale's going to deploy people uh, yeah. as they go. Like, yeah, uh, which that's is... been the exciting thing with, with Jet, as I said, that right wing back against Celtic. And then I, I, I spoke about this in our show uh, with a goal that they scored. I think it meant against Dundee United, where they played him on the right wing and they were going direct to him and they played Pittman in behind him coming off the bench. So it was like they were both playing on the right. Uh, but it was like they, they decided to to bully a fullback there. And so normally you'd use them as the the hold in, the sort of hold up striker through the middle. But they decided to do it on the right. I thought it was clever because they were doing it on the right. They were getting more joy. And Pittman was able to come in off the right and was able to, and he ended up scoring a goal directly from that. And I was like, that's sort of really clever tactics. When you're sort of recreating what would normally be thought of as a central position um style. But you just moving the players together out way so they can link up. Well, yeah. you want those two to link up and it's smart. Um, I, know, I think that's. I think that's it. Obviously, we give them a give Martindale a massive hard time for uh, Marvin Bartley left wing back. Mm. But I mean, that is one. That's one time when it's not worked. But there's been multiple instances of it over his tenure where it has. So yeah, the tactical flexibility. Yeah, there's that kind of like you know the. I suppose that yeah, the the final was probably not the best place to experiment. But again, <laughs> you know, it's that sort of thing. Is would you you at least he was trying it. I suppose there's an element of that, like you, like you, maybe, maybe he thought actually they made the assessment that maybe we couldn't get the result against St. Johnson if we set up the way that they expect us to set up. So we're going to try something different, and it was a gamble. You want your manager, you want your manager to be proactive. You want to know that your manager's smart and he's got a game plan, and it it really backfired on him there, and it made him look, it made him look daft. It made him a bit of a laughing stock for that, but. Um, he, uh, I don't think Martin Dale's doing it to. I don't think Martin Dale's doing it to uh, prove a people. If you know what I mean, I think he's. I think he generally think he's putting these teams out that he's not a, like he's he's not doing it for the attention. Like he can get he can get with his your history. He can get attention regardless. If you know what I mean, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he made like you know what I mean? yeah. So like it, you know, so it's he's doing it because he genuinely thinks it's the best thing to do. Um, yeah. uh, he was quite brave on, on in this. the hip side. Uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Before you go, Doug, he was quite brave in this. Yeah. I thought Alan Forrest was quite a brave uh, decision, considering it was going. To, and maybe he didn't. Ex- maybe he didn't expect Nisbet to start, and didn't expect he thought it would be Cadden rather than Boyle on the right, because Alan Forrest is has attributes. Don't get me wrong, but he's quite a one-track mind type player. When I watch him, he he's, he thinks forward. He wants to get crosses in and he wants to get in the box and hit shots. You know what I mean? He's got, Aye. he's very direct. He's like, I, I've spoken about this before. He's like what his brother was years back before there was added nuance to his game. <laughs> and um, and obviously with Longridge playing at left back, I thought, I was watching, I was like, well, I, I quite fancy Boyle getting quite a lot of, and when, the way it turned out, he did. I mean, Boyle spent the game extremely high up the park. Um, and basically, because Gogic was the one dropping in. And it was sort of Hanlon, Porteous, and McGinn, as you'd expect. But Boyle was playing right up the pitch in, in line with sort of Nisbet and um, and Doidge for large periods. And then Doidge, Doig was also playing above the halfway line for, for large periods. But I thought that was brave and it, and it worked out in the first half because they were the they were the much better team. But then Hibbs, as we've seen at times this season, Duncan, as you were about to say, I imagine, which are a completely different side in the second half. Yeah. 
and I think <laughs> that's the most frustrating thing is that, that it's been Hibs have had quite a it's not quite a Jekyll and Hyde season but you again we're third we uh, are you know I think is it a seven point gap now at the moment yep. but I still there's still doubts about this about this team if that makes sense like we, like if I know this is, is, is all but in comparison to the the, the Mowbray team, which is the last time Hibs finished third in the Premiership, well, that was swashbuckling, and you know, I mean, maybe maybe there's a lot of rose rose tinted glasses about how how good that team was, but um, but even if you look at Lennon's could, team, Lennon's team is a good one to use for that as well. High, yeah, high point. That you, know, you, you you thought they could get results anywhere they go, whereas mm. this Hibs team. You're never, you're never, you're never convinced. But we never this team, like the Jekyll and Hyde one. I don't feel that we've got a Jekyll and Hyde in the over the season. It's more Jekyll and Hyde during matches. Uh, the team yeah. sort of like uh, it's and like, and this is this is something that but what I'm going to come to Ross's defence slightly is that I've got I'm going to be really interested to see how he develops in the next season with a proper pre-season. I think sometimes we play with a handbrake on, and I think that might be to do with. The fact that we've not had a proper preseason, I think he doesn't want to go for the jugular all the time because he worries about running his steam towards the end. This is my, yeah. this is assumptions. I don't know. He's not. It's not like he's come out and said anything like this, but I would like to think that because the players that he's the team he's assembling is assembling a high octane team. I mean, if you're signing Cadden, you've got Doig. He's given Doig his chance. He's brought in Irvin and obviously Nisbet. The way he's using Boyle, even McGinn, uh, Porteous. Gogic, like this isn't slow. They're all quick. They're all high octane. They want to press. They want to harry, and they want and they, so Hibs want to play on the front foot. And I actually thought the second half was just sort of like the most concentrated pressure for long periods that we had. I know we never got the goal, and, and sort of Dodge somehow didn't get that one on the line, even though he was the one in front of Devlin to get to do it. Um, but that's maybe what I'm thinking is that I think Hibs maybe play with the handbrake on a bit. Um, this season and it's worked out. It's more like Aberdeen under McInnes. It's always the really easy one to, and we've sort of, we've never went long, We've never went weeks and weeks without making points. We're always getting points on the board. It's always two games, maybe two defeats. And then we pick up points and it's never, and maybe we might go four wins or three wins and then we might lose, but we're never, we're not streaky. We, we're sort of always picking up points, but you're never looking win, 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 win. But you might see win, 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 draw, loss, Loss, win, win, so it's never long, and that's been enough to put them to put Hibs into that. And you can maybe say again, I'm maybe being too nice. I'm happy for people to say that, but maybe being smart in this season of all seasons, um, to to maybe play slightly like that. But I would expect Hibs to have a much more of an identity next season. But looking at the goal, uh, Josh Doig, what a boy, Duncan, what a boy is. Uh, I'm. I'm coming around to the view that I think I've heard uh, been said at Hibs. Uh, quite a few people uh, are starting to come around to the idea that out of uh, all the talent that is at Hibs at the moment, that Doig is the one with the highest talent ceiling, you know, above Nesbitt and above Porteous. And I can kind of see why. Like, you know, that, that is the... Um, it's the progression you're already seeing this season. Like, you know, the fact that, you know, the fact that he's been able to go from League Two last season on loan to hit, hitting the ground, almost running, you know, the, and kind of this uh, job share he has with Lewis Stevenson uh, for the, for the left side uh, has has been remarkable. And I think you know, he is 
well, he's obviously added a goal, a goal to his game. I'd like to see him do a, possibly a bit more than that. But I think it's his tenacity and, and kind of belief. And you saw that in the goal. Like, because Nicky Devlin is no mug, but he's, he was able to anticipate. He, he, he judged the momentum of the ball wasn't going to make it there and made it really difficult. And then to be able to find Dodge and then the, the move from Dodge as well was, was pretty good to give himself the best chance of scoring because oh. we know we know Christian Dodge if he has a lot of time to think about chances, he's probably going to miss them. Oh. He's very instinctive. Uh, we we love we love him for that. He will drive us up the wall as well to a degree because he does he does a lot of the uh, easy things quite badly, but then he does a lot of the difficult things very easily. Yeah. Um. Which which you know, but I think yeah, I'm I'm come. I think um, who knows what the summer's going to bring, but I think that w- w- hopefully another season of Doig will put him in the kind of David Murphy bracket. Oh, here we go. Now we're talking. Uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's just... <laughs> and I think Ross, in terms of his greatest, how he's looked after Doig, take him out at the right time, subbing him off in games at the right times when he's been having a tough time against your fring pongs or a, of a tavernier, um, and never let, but never leaving him out of the team for weeks on end like you forget about him um, or like to make him think that he's made terrible errors. So it's like he's been really well coached, really well looked after, and now he's really grown into it to the point as now I don't see him getting dropped again. I think this is now, he's had the period, he's been looked after, he's been shielded a bit when he's needed it. Now he's just that he looks confident, he wants to get in the box. He's now becoming our main attacking outfit. He's doing terrible dives now, um, which he wouldn't have expected <laughs> before. I mean, that dive is, they were they were very, like, they were, I don't... Uh, he doesn't go looking for it. I was like, it's an absolutely horrendous dive. <laughs> Nobody's near him. And he goes there. But I'm like, if he, if he wants to be like that, that's him getting confident, if you ask me. And yeah, the tenacity to, to get the goal uh, and dodge, obviously, first goal in 15 games. And Nisbet, you could see the, the over the game, he was feeling so much more comfortable and confident because his touch was back. He, he was playing on the half turn. He was making one first-time passes out wide, like drilled passes, the flick for Boyle to create the chance for Dodge. He looked like really getting back to his best and Hibs could be quids in going in towards the end of the season if Dodge can go on one of his normal streaks that he normally does once he's got a goal under his belt and Nisbet starts to get back to his best with Boyle out there, then we Hibs should have no problem getting third. And there's the, the Scottish Cup's there and Hibs have to think that is has to be a target for Hibs, being the th- arguably the third best team in the country. Um, I would say so, but then it's Hibs and <laughs> and big games. But yeah, no, but that, that, that's kind of the mentality that the Jack Ross needs to to get rid of within the club. And I think I think you're right about Nisbet coming into. It. I mean, I think that obviously he's he's away with the international squad this week. Um, and but I just I, you know, we talked about it, it was a long long period of Dodge not scoring. But if you're just judged, if you're just judging Christian Dodge on scoring then you're kind of missing out on everything else he does. Like, I, I mean, I think there's no doubt that Nisbet looks a better player when he's playing alongside Dodge than with Boyle or whatever. Like, you know, the, the, there's just a there's a, an innate understanding. Of, and Dodge, Dodge is such a selfless forward. Like, he like he, he is not about the goals, which is an, which is quite an odd thing to say for a striker. Um, and, you know, maybe, maybe if he was more selfish, then he might might not be at Hibs or whatever, that, you know, that his career might be very different. But he, yeah, for, for me, I, I, 
Ian, <laughs> I hate seeing him getting stick because because I, I I know he's trying his absolute hardest to do his best. And, and, he, and, he, and he has to play. I mean, we spoke about this before. He makes everyone else better around him. He's a unique... Him and Gogic are the unique players in the squad. Uh, they like the facilitators, no, aren't they? Yeah, I think no one, one like yeah, and no one else can, and no one else can do that. Uh, I was talking about Stevie May earlier. Stevie May has become a facilitator, that that style of player, uh, and and you, you need them. Uh, and it's been, we have like look at Boyle when he's been playing up with Dodge. Boyle's been a rubbish striker over his career. Whenever he's played up front, people have always thought not good enough. Like, does it when he's been up there with Dodge? Suddenly, Boyle's had some of his most productive periods as a player, and and, and Dodge does have to be. A part of that, it's just that he's very uneasy on the eye, and he, and, and because he fluffs <laughs> big chances, they just. Um, but you've got it. I am with you. You've got to love the big guy. Don't get me wrong. If we could get someone who could do that job and and also add the sort of taking of the chances, being more sort of reliable in front of goal, then I would consider it. But right now, I'm, I would never. Chris Dodge will always be have a place in in my heart, um, and yeah, so. Here we go. Well, so Jack Ross, some sort of credit, I think, because it is, it, is, it is weird. It's a weird one. He's going in towards having one of the best seasons we've ever had, league-wise. <laughs> and yet there's still a huge amount of cynicism. Yeah, and, and this is his first season, his first full season. So uh, it's quite a unique one. So I'm, I'm, that, yeah. I'm, that was my, putting my case forward for why. But I, I do, I will say, I do have more expectations of what Jack, our identity as a side and our style next season. I will want to see it improve. Because we're going to go yeah. on to the next team, whose oh, style want, never want did see, change. Aye, and what we'll, want we'll to see Big Ron actually opening his his checkbook? Absolutely. We'll see you see if that happens as as, as we go on a. Well, as long as I, I need to just get the Pfizer right in my elbow, right in my arm, and I can do some European away days. That's all. Uh, I'm caring. Yeah. So was well, yeah penultimate game, um, which could have which could make. I mean, it was not. It wasn't a dead robber, but uh, you know, because it's an element of a derby. But you know, it's now with Hibs picking up a point and Aberdeen not losing again and not scoring. Uh, they lost one nil to Dundee United. Um, yeah, it didn't didn't really seem like much of a fun game to watch, did it? I mean, but what a shock! I mean, was it not two nil nils that they've played out um, this season? Uh, I see Paul Sheeran. He made a couple of changes as Motherwell. Um, sorry, his Aberdeen manager, he brought in, um, I think he went to back four, as far yep. as I'm aware. Uh, um, he played he played Hoban at right back and Shea Logan went and played golf. Is that right? Is that... Yeah, yeah. Wow. He, he tweeted from the golf course during the game, which I think is, or I'm not sure if he tweeted or put on Instagram or whatever, but that, that to me speaks to a bigger problem at Aberdeen than just uh, than just not scoring. Well, he wants he wants people. The reason he tweets or Instagram that he wants people to know that that's what he's doing at that time. You know, Shea Logan's yeah. an experienced experienced player who's well known at Aberdeen and well known in Scottish football. He knows he knows exactly what he's doing there. Um, he's obviously saying that I've been told not to come because that's the only thing <laughs> I can think of. You're not part of the squad, so who knows? As but they brought in uh, Mackenzie for for his debut. Um, and so he had a he had a tough moment. I mean, you're you'll, you'll probably not be letting the ball run out uh, <laughs> run out the park again anytime soon, especially with someone like Fuchs around because the bloody legs on Fuchs when he gets going for that bit. Like, well, it's, it is the tenacity, isn't it, down in the corner to just keep going with that. Like, and, and the, probably the awareness it is a it is a, a player on his debut potentially prone not prone to making mistakes. You don't know that because it's only his debut, but the, there there's 
barely a footballer who makes a debut that isn't a bit nervous and wants the ball. Can see, and when we see just like you know, the easiest thing to do, like again, it's so Sunday league, but you know, just if you're if you don't know what to do, just put out for a throw in, mm. and he doesn't do it. So Fuchs just just thrives on that uncertainty and, and leads to a really well-worked goal. I really brilliant goal. And Dundee United have had this a lot recently. I get I get quite frustrated with, with Melon because he, he he like finds they're a they're a classic can break on team. Yeah, they? they find they find a style. Like I, I I used this one game, but that because I watched the game 90 minutes and it was a Rangers game at Ibrox, I ended up getting humped, but the first half an hour. Uh, and they found the sort of perfect sort of style between the players. He went with McNulty in this game, and McNulty did look decent in, in the highlights. He looked like he was involved. And sort of Shankland is really, um, it's, it's really impressive more and more his whole game. People thought he was just a goal scorer, but that's is, is up and that's all gone now. I mean, Shankland's a, Shankland and Nisbet for these sort of younger players that are coming into not being young strikers anymore, who are becoming well-known in Scottish football. And you like, players on the brink of Scotland International, the two of them look rounded. They they don't just look like, and, and Shankland, I think, was people were starting to think that, but he does brilliant out wide for that goal, especially he does a little back heel back to back to Fuchs, and then he gets the ball back, and then it, it goes into to Harks, and then back into, into Shankland, and then the little, and then back into Sporla for the goal. And it's, and it's, and it's absolutely delicious for, for Dundee United. And things that I've seen in recent weeks that they have got, on their locker, and and I'm hoping now, if there was ever a time they've no, they're not playing any big teams, they're not they've not got anything to play for. They're sure not going to get dragged into. Aye, they're not going to get. There's no, there's no nothing for them to get dragged into. So now it's time to really take advantage of what we've seen in recent weeks, where they are starting, and and, and Mellon mentions it that they've started to show it, uh, and and we've and we've seen it. We're starting to see much more. So uh, delicate passing, not as agricultural, not just not just try to purely play on the counter attack, willing to sort of take chances in around the box uh, and, and play in tight areas, which is always the sign of a of a confident side who are willing to do that. So that's what we're hoping that we might get to see from from Dundee United because there's absolutely no reason now they've they've got the players. Uh, yeah, I said they've got Clark who can come on and, and play as well. Who would sort of probably be more poor my one than, than McNulty with that with that shape. Uh, and then they've obviously got Bolton stuff on the bench. They do have these wide players if they're playing this front three who can stretch teams and create that space for them. So yeah. and against bad defenses, yeah, against a lot of bad defenses. So so who knows? I mean, for Aberdeen, I, can, I mean, <laughs> I think could have went in the season now, isn't it? Like that's like. What's, what's the point? <laughs> so the, the funny thing about Aberdeen is that they started the season in the most exciting way that I've seen Aberdeen play under McInnes. I, that, uh, yeah, I, keep, I keep going back to that Viking game and they were, they were brilliant. Brilliant to watch. And then it just and it's went from that to even the most boring uh, as it's been under a McInnes. We've been like in McInnes' time where there's always been criticism of it being quite boring and handbrake-ish and, and all the usual terminologies we use to describe these types of teams. Um, so it's just amazing. That. So they were like, at the start of the season when they had now Wrights away, um, so Cosgrove's away, Watkins is away, uh, and then Hedges got a season-ended injury. And then all the things that you hope that they, that all the ability that they had is has been taken out of the team and now they're having to play in a different fashion. You know, got guys like Camberi playing up front for that. You know, just the change from then to then is like 
Uh, it seemed like such a missed opportunity, and it's not, and it's not all their fault. Is I mean, there is injuries and there is other other factors, but um, it just be like if you're an Aberdeen fan, it couldn't have, the excitement levels that you would have had to what it's turned out to be, um, quite incredible, really. Yeah, I suppose that they will probably be hoping that a manager gets appointed sooner rather than later because this was exactly what happened last time around with McInnes. He was meant to be coming in at, uh, at the end of the season that you and then they decided actually let's accelerate this when they think they'd finished bottom six that season under Craig Brown as well. And Craig Brown was happy to to move on upstairs. Is that it gave McInnes just that extra couple of months bed in time? Like, re, like I can make a set like you know, a manager coming in in the summer has to make, will have to make recruitment decisions and a lot of things. Some of it, not blind, but not, uh, you know, it's not the same as watching it in real life. And uh, yeah, you would be hoping that they, well, if you're an Aberdeen fan, you're hoping that they make an appointment. And you it might, you might lose those five, you might lose the next five games, but you might, your manager might have a better idea and assessment of what he wants to do with the squad. But um, yeah, we'll see, we'll see how that goes. And then, well, I suppose we should move on to the final game of the, the weekend. Uh, I, I suppose the, the thing that made this game remarkable more than anything was the, the solidarity between the two clubs about uh, the, what had happened on Thursday night in the Slavia Prague game against Rangers and the, the racial, I'm not even going to say alleged because I'm pretty convinced it did happen, <laughs> you know, like you know, the, the, the racial abuse that Glenn Kamara uh, received and then put a, a, a well-worded and strong statement out on Friday. Um, he's uh, obviously... Full solidarity here from everyone at, uh, at Terrace Towers about that, and you know there is that thing you know, and it, you solved the weekend. Some of the teams not taking the knee anymore, and you know there was Motherwell put out a, a pretty strong statement, and you know Ranger, South Korean Rangers players stood up against racism, and that's uh, that's that's the most welcome thing, and I'm glad it kind of diffused some of the the hatred around. That what was being talked about in uh, the derby, what needs to happen next is it's not for you know the players aren't the decision makers. It's now for clubs to start to put into effect. I don't think there's uh, you know there's there's enough being done. I think there's a lot of lip service, and I think it's about time that the clubs and the governing bodies stood up and and did what they need to need to do. And if that is doing stuff like saying there'll be no penalties for teams that walk off the pitch if players are racially abused or what what have you, whatever whatever is required. If there's proven, proven, if there's proven racial abuse, that team gets kicked out whatever tournament or they yeah. lose the game or the points get taken. Simple, clear ones. Yes, I know people get worried about um, proof, right? And, 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 and I get that. I don't want to get bogged down that because it's just, this is so, unless you're telling me that Glenn Kamara is, is decided off the pitch, Beforehand, that when an opportunity would ever arise, that he can overreact on something, just, and yeah, and the, which is obviously the human not the case. The human response from everyone else as well. Like you, again, you football doesn't have to have the same burden of proof as uh, you exactly. a, 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 law, a court of law. And I think that's what we we probably need to get in, uh, move towards. I don't care if um, a couple of people get if it's if there's a small um, if it, I, mean, I do care. I don't know if they wants to be labelled a racist it's, it's, when it's untrue, but it's just I don't believe that there's players around looking to catch people out and, and cause them to be called racist. I don't believe that's the case. I mean, there's I mean, we see Goldson's interview. You can see how much it affects people. I mean, I love Goldson's interview. It was an uncomfortable watch, and it should be it should be people out there saying uncomfortable things. 
that make you feel uncomfortable uh, when, when you watch them because that's the reality for these people. And, and you want that to be to be put across. And yeah, I mean, Kamara's clearly, he's not pre, it's not a predetermined reaction he's meant for. He's clearly something's been said and, and he's reacted that way and this guy should be hung, drawn and quartered and they should be kicked out of the tournament. And like I was saying, points deducted. It should just be really, really simple um, that, that we do that. And it was a, and it was a nice touch for, for Brown um, go, going forward and um, speaking to, to um, Kamara before the game with, with the nice cuddle. I thought that was really, really nice. I think that was, I think that was the most important part of the game. Uh, the game itself was exciting for about twenty minutes, but largely a bit of a bit of a non-event. Yeah, disappointing because that twenty minutes, I was I was stinkingly hungover during this from from the night before, uh, when I just I was drinking while watching the football, and then before you know it, because you started so early, you're like I've had twelve beers and a few gins, and I'm I'm drunk, bum, uh, and I feel horrendous the next day. Uh, so I, like I was like uncomfortably trying to watch it, twisting and turning. Um, but yeah, that 20, 20 minutes after the goal got, got all excited and then, um, like great stuff. Here we go. And, uh, but yeah, I, I don't really have much to say. I thought Kennedy, uh, was, was quite smart. I thought the, the, the picking of El Yunusi was quite a clever move with, you know, with Balogun playing it right back. I think El Yunusi sort of the, out of the available players, they've got the most direct, quick and tricky customer. He's a frustrating player. He's not always, he's, he's nowhere near playing to his abilities all the time. But he has all the attributes that could be a real handful for Rangers, especially without Tavernier and with them going with Balogun at the back. And he never looked comfortable. I thought Kamara, Kamara was quite poor. What would not? I think what they probably thought they would do with Balogun out there is that Kamara would be the one to protect him, as he's very good at. He's very good at shuttling out wide and protecting his fullback in that four-three-three formation. But Kamara, maybe understandably, was. Um, what, what didn't, didn't we struggled with that and, and with the goal that's exactly what happened Kamara sort of walks out there doesn't press the ball quick enough Balogun gets caught in behind by Edward and then the cross comes in who, who what do you think about Goldson and Hollander at that point Duncan uh, I'm I thought on first view I was like oh I think Hollander probably should have done better but I think it's also a really good ball and a really good header from Elanusi like sometimes you know, you can always say, you know, people always talk about there's always a fault at a goal. Um, in that case, maybe just a little bit, but I, I think it was Elnusi, uh, the technique on the pass and then and the header was exceptional. You maybe in another game, Helander is a bit tighter, maybe guess- gets his body in front a bit more, but I again, I'd be loath to, <laughs> to, to, um, really go to town on that pairing given how good they've been in this season. Yeah, yeah. But again that so so that maybe it's a little churlish. And again, you know, not with the best one in the world, not a lot at stake. There just wasn't the same intensity, I don't think, to the star pay that that there has been to other games other league games not even involved in Celtic and Rangers this season. Oh absolutely yeah it was a, it was really it didn't feel like watching an old firm game whatsoever. But when these are the games that really you really see the difference with out of the fans there, Halander, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a huge Halander fan. I think he's, I think he's the best defender uh, in the, in the country, like pure and simple as a as a stopper. Um, and he he does get gold side. I think he 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 probably wants to go and cut it out. I think Goldson maybe could have taken that front post, like pushed more into getting that front post area covered. 
um, and allowed to land because I land and it gets caught in too wide. But he is goal side and he is should be first to the ball. So let's say, but you're right. There's no point. I mean, they've been absolutely unbelievable this this season. So it, it's not really a big deal. And then Rangers came back into it, um, and then Celtic. Yeah, I mean. Those set pieces, man. I mean, like off the top of my head, just thinking I was thinking recently about the one when Nisbet scored against them when they can't clear the ball properly. Jordan White's one against Celtic um, when it's sort of like Scott Brown and Laxal struggle to pick them up. And this one is this one is horrendous. And so like this, he just Morelos, I think it's meant to be Kenny who gives away the corner. And then Kenny, I think, is picking him up, but he never actually picks him up. And he just walks to the back post. You just feel like I'll take a risk here. Yeah, it was when he pops up. I was like, "Well, he's he's got to be offside." Like yeah. uh, that was my my, my first reaction because I was like, "There's no way he can be in that much space without there being some skullduggery or <laughs> or, or uh, you know or or offside uh, decision." But um, and uh, to be honest, like, I know we've we've always talked about it, like I'm quite happy for Morelos to get his old firm goal just on the basis that it stops bringing Celtic fans if you know what I mean like because it's just a point like this idea that he's not a good goalkeeper he's not a good a good player until he scores against Celtic um is absolute nonsense yeah. um <laughs> which yeah but, uh, and so I was kind of happy for him which is a weird thing to be happy for a Rangers player like, in my years of 30 odd years of being a football fan like, yeah I'm, I'm the same I'm a but I'm a Morelos stan I, I, I make an exception uh, from my usual hatred of Rangers uh, for Morelos because <laughs> a player that I just love in general just everything everything uh, uh, about them everything that comes with Morelos is something I, I just I've always really liked and um, Rangers and then they Kent that one but I just wanted to mention that like if he manages to score that the, the chip ball over the top I think Welsh gets struggled oh, like yeah yeah because yeah. Welsh I think Welsh wants I think the right thing to do in that position is for Welsh, obviously, he's caught in no man's land, but there's nothing he can really do about it at that point. So I think that Ayer should sort of notice when the ball's played back and Kent starts going, Ayer should come over because Welsh is then able to see, could go into the space that Ayer vacates and then you could stop, you could maybe stop that, but away from any of that sort of nonsense, just ball over the top, if he, if he catches it on the volley, I'm saying if that, if that goes in, that's an all-timer. Like, I mean, yeah. that's what you see every time on every Scottish football clips, that, that goal going in for the ball over the top. And uh, I suppose the final thing to talk about, uh, Edward's dive. Yeah, are you happy calling it a dive? I just think he's, I just think it's just so stupid from Morelos. I agreed to Michael Stewart because I was saying this on our WhatsApp group at the time. Just take the tackle. If you take, like, I'm not even saying leave a leg. Just don't lift your leg and dodge the tackle, then dive. Just let him get you because he's he's out of control. It's a, it's a rash tackle for, for Barisic. And it's a penalty all day long. But he, he makes it that they don't get. It's Edward's fault. He doesn't get the penalty. And the referee makes the right decision because ultimately nothing's happened. It's just a man's laid down on the ground in front of him. <laughs> that, you know, that's what, ultimately that's what's happened uh, for that point. So, yeah, I mean, frustrating. And before we, before last thing, maybe I think Laxalt, I thought, had a decent game. Laxalt's taken a lot of stick. Uh, I actually think he's better than other people are giving him credit for. I'll put my neck on the line there. I think there is a lot to work with there. I, 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 I like him a little bit. Um, and, I, and I thought he looked he looked decent in this game. Um, and obviously Rangers were smart enough to get Balogun off and, and get Patterson on. I think Patterson is the... Patterson has to play... Um, in that right back slot, I think he's proven 
Maybe other not because they obviously trust them. They play them in the biggest game of the season against Prague. Um, but I think going forward and just Rangers, this all proves something we've seen. Um, Tavernier ha- is that good a player and he is that important to Rangers and they aren't as good a team out of because I think people sort of just assumed that the, the, the team was better than Mike. Because he, he was scoring penalties. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, yeah. No, I think I think you're quite right. Uh, Tony, uh, Fowler said to us, just I'd do a quick 45 minutes. We've, uh, th- we've, We've blown that to fuck, um, but uh, but it's all good because we had a lovely time talking we about sure this did. weekend's football. I'm looking for. I'm really looking forward to now these uh, the post split now that it was announced. I think and you know Scottish Cup coming back. There's games on tomorrow night. It's just uh, it feels it feels like we're going in the right direction. Everything's going to be fine, and we've got Scotland games gonna, this week that we actually Scotland care about. Want to watch? He normally didn't want to do that. International weeks were normally the worst. Now I'm like, oh, we've got a new striker. It's like, it's like we've signed a new striker and it's exciting. Class. Uh, yeah, so I mean, there's there's a lot to look forward to uh, in Scottish football. So yeah, I'm all for it, Duncan. Smashing. Uh, we are not doing a Patreon today. That is going to be covered by Craig Cairns. He's speaking to Alistair Gemmell, uh, who uh, is an Air United fan and talking about how life is going in the yo the, the, the yo uh, league that is the, the championship where uh, every team, apart from Hearts, essentially is either an, an Alwa, maybe I've got a chance of uh, being promoted or relegated, which is absolutely fascinating. But even Hearts fans aren't happy as well. So no one's happy, no one's sad. <laughs> and, uh, so yeah, brilliant. In the championship, yeah. Uh, so Tony, thanks for your time. Cheers, mate. Thank you. And uh, everyone else, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, we appreciate it as always. And stay safe. Stay safe, even. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.